And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a great weekend. Um, man, I'm kind of in a bad mood today. I uh, Right before uh, I hit record on the podcast, I was checking Twitter, and news broke that Ben Roethlisberger is undergoing surgery on his elbow and is out for the season. That really sucks. So, essentially, season over for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That really blows. Uh, so yeah, get well soon, big guy. We'll look forward to next year. Also, rest in peace to my fantasy football team. Yikes, lost my quarterback. I got blown out last week by the failing New York Times, which is, yeesh, that's embarrassing. By definition, they are failures. So, man, what does that make me? I don't know. Uh, anyway, I was joined by Ian Hayworth today. Always good talking to Ian. Uh, we basically just savaged the press for 45 minutes because they deserve it. They are just the worst, we talked about the, the latest round of ridiculous accusations from the New York Times against Brett Kavanaugh. It's just a total joke, and we break it all down. Uh, before I get to Ian, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod, and please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play if you're on iTunes. Please give us a five-star rating and a good review. And if you want to get involved with the show, you can hit us up over on Patreon, patreon.com slash NoGimmicksPodcast. There's cool incentives if you choose to get involved over there. All right, without further ado, here's my chat with Ian Hayworth. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with Ian Hayworth. Ian, thanks so much for taking the time, my brother. Oh, thank you for having me back. It's, uh, it's great to be back on your show. Of course, man. It'll be fun. It was definitely fun the first time. And then uh, I'm actually going to be on your show tomorrow. Um, if people, Yeah, I'm excited to, to have you on. A, yeah, if people didn't get enough of me, um, the two episodes <laughs> I'm putting out, they can hear me on your show uh, tomorrow afternoon. So that'll be a lot of fun, too. Um, yeah, man. So let's just jump right into the the big news of the day. And that is over the weekend, the New York Times went right back to baselessly smearing Associate Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Um, they, they, I don't know why they felt the need to do this, but they, are, they alleged that back in college, Brett Kavanaugh really liked to whip his dick out at parties and stuff. Um, they were forced to admit today that the alleged accuser told them that she does not recall anything like that happening and that they made it all up. So... We'll go into this in detail, but not a great look for the quote-unquote paper of record. No, it's um, it's certainly not what you'd want from someone who are supposed to be the the ultimate guardians of journalistic truth. These people, the, the correction's hilarious, and I'm not even going to read it. I'm, I, I, I just don't, I don't respect these people enough to even read their statement on, on the podcast, but they, they didn't just fuck up a little fact here they, they didn't just get it wrong they completely fabricated the entire thing they made it up for fun they literally made up these allegations for fun and for profit and mm-hmm. to get trump to get kavanaugh to get republicans that's it and they basically admitted it there's no basis for any of these accusations at all as we already knew i mean anybody with two brain cells to to rub together knows that brett kavanaugh didn't do anything wrong but 
the fact that they're just they're admitting that they just lie. I mean, it's just a bald faced lie. They completely made it all up. It was a complete fabrication. It there was no error. There was no journalistic error or anything yeah. like that. They just made it up. I mean, I think the the biggest problem is that it's the clear implication over the past couple of years is really is where it's been ratcheted up where these mis- those so-called mistakes always happen in one direction. You could blame it on incompetence if, say, false allegations came out and were being published too early about both sides. But the fact it's always so targeted makes it quite clear that it's just in pursuit of a narrative. That's all this is. And Kavanaugh is one of these um, kind of very, very divisive topics that got the Democratic base going, it brought them to some decent numbers in the 2018 um, elections. And now we're coming up to 2020. The economy is doing well. The 2020 uh, Democratic candidates are all fighting to be who can be the most incompetent, radical, crazy person. And so the New York Times obviously thought, OK, we need to bring things onto our side a little bit. Let's let's stir up this really, really divisive topic that did pretty well for us a few years ago. And it just doesn't matter to them that it's not true. Or at least, to be fair, we don't know whether it's true, but you can't just make accusations with no evidence when the accuser says that she doesn't even remember it happening. It's just, this is not journalism. At this point, you can make up any story about Joe Biden. You could say it about Kamala Harris, about Elizabeth Warren. Can you imagine the reaction if a right-wing outlet just posted a uncorroborated story about Elizabeth Warren that the accuser said they did not remember? There would be hell to pay. Yeah, I mean, I, we could just make it up right now. I mean, Elizabeth Warren raped Ian Hayworth 25 years ago. Ian can't remember if it happened or not, but... So shit, can't prove that it didn't happen, right? Publish it. I mean, Send adds a whole tweet. new meaning to singing about Colors of the Wind, but <laughs> it's just... <laughs> the crazy thing with Elizabeth Warren as well is that there is a real story about her that is just... should be disqualifying, that the media just do not care. I mean, Elizabeth Warren is, is the one candidate who surprises me the most, that she literally appropriated a culture for her own <laughs> cynical gain for 30 years to, don't don't forget that part for 30 years for career and political gain she <laughs> continually lied not only that she like lied to get into a cookbook for this famous seafood recipe for a landlocked state and it's just <laughs> there's no big deal the, the media are fine she's being forwarded as the media's top choice and it, it i have real no no huge problem with the media going after politicians but the fact they give someone like elizabeth warren a free pass who is just the the most awful candidate. I mean, she is yet to answer a question. If you watch any of the debates, her answer is, so let's be clear. And then she just lies for five minutes about something completely irrelevant. And so I think that's what really should upset people. I wouldn't say more, but it should upset people just as much as, yes, the the, um, the majority of media is lying, but also the majority of media is supporting a political side. If they were equally incompetent in both directions, that would be one thing. But to be so blatantly pushing the Democrats is quite quite appalling to see from a so-called objective outlet. I uh, when Trump called the press the enemy of the American people, I, I said, you know, that goes too far. You know, this is what two years ago or more. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, maybe that goes too far. I apologized on air about a year ago to the president and said I was wrong and he was right. The press is the enemy of the American people because they are. I mean, they really are. I mean, they they really really hate us. I mean, they hate you. I mean, they hate me. They they hate us more than anything. And that hatred for us is their motivation behind literally everything they do. 
Um, and I'm, I'm going further and further on the whole the corporate press is the enemy of the American people thing. Like, I, I used to say, look, like, it's fine that they're so harsh on Republicans. I just wish they were harsh on the Democrats as well, like you said, with Elizabeth Warren. I mean, obviously, there's plenty there to, to be critical yep. of with Elizabeth Warren. But no, I like, I'm past all of that. Like, I, I'm done. Like, I've moved on completely. Like, I'm literally going to dedicate the next month on this podcast to viciously, brutally, mercilessly savaging the press. Like, that. that's, that's what... And I, I don't even enjoy that, man. Like, I'm a wonky dude. Like, I love debating policy. Like, I, I could sit here for, you know, two hours a week and just talk, you know, Austrian economics. Like, that, that, would be, that that's what I enjoy <laughs> the most. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's what I feel I'm best at. That's what I actually enjoy doing. But the press is the only story. Like, the New York Times is the only story. Like, everything else is going fine in the country right now. I mean, uh, you know, Iran bombed a Saudi oil field, and, and we're seeing what's going to happen there. Like, that's troubling and stuff. But, like, look, Trump's doing a pretty decent job. You know, the economy's fine, I guess. Like, even with the trade war with China, like, somehow, uh, which I hate to admit because I'm a I'm a free trade absolutist. I'm, I'm anti-tariff, but the tariffs actually seem to be working and really damaging China. I mean, like, everything's kind of going great. Uh the pre- like the press like it's the only the mm-hmm. only problem like the only thing worth talking about right now is the press and i these people need to be destroyed like the these people the new york times the washington post cnn msnbc the the la times all these entities they do not deserve any respect from us they deserve no respect they deserve to be mocked they deserve to be laughed at ridiculed and cast aside like cast out of polite society they need to be completely destroyed scorched earth destroyed and the earth salted where they once stood like are, are you with me on that like are you as have you been as radicalized as me in, in recent <laughs> months against the press i think i i've been kind of i think i i agree with your conclusions i think i've kind of just been quite um nothing's really surprised me about the media because i think they've been just becoming less subtle i think they've been like this for a long time um, I think what surprised me the most, and I think what has has shown that we have to, as a as a user base, push back, is that they don't they're not even pretending anymore. Um, I think a lot of this, though, is, again, it's their fault. I think people blame. Uh, we can get back to what I think about Trump saying that you know the press are the enemy, the people in a second. But the media really creates these Frankenstein's that they then blame conservatives for. So with Trump, ever since he was elected, which the media helped elect him, by the way. They have been turning the outrage dial up to 11 on quite literally everything. Nothing is a is a mediocre story. Nothing is, oh, Trump said something kind of silly. Ha, 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 let's move on. Everything is, we're all going to die. It's going to be the next apocalypse. And the problem is that once you've turned that dial up to 11, it's the metric which you use going forward. And so every day they have to either keep the level at the same, um, at the same point or ratchet it up higher. And so they've created this impossible system for themselves where they can't go back because that would admit that they were wrong in the past. And so then you you are just left with this impossible situation now where they tweet out ridiculous stories that they haven't confirmed because they have to keep the outrage going. And then they do these kind of cowardly little withdrawals that no one really pays attention to. And then it's just on and on and on. So I think we have to do something to break this cycle because people still view these outlets as some form of truth people are basing their opinions on these outlets 
and it's clearly false. Um, and if really the only way you can solve these kind of problems in a conservative mindset is to stop providing these places with business, like that's the only way these outlets will stop or change or just go away is if people stop buying them, people stop paying attention to them. I just think it's going to be a very slow death. It's not like some of these, I think like think progress, right? Shut down um, a week or so ago, but something like the New York times or the Washington post has millions and millions of dollars behind it. It's going to be a lot harder to, to kill that. So I think I agree with your desire to want to destroy them. I think it's going to be very hard when they are so entrenched in, in our society. I agree, but look, man, we need all hands on deck. <laughs> like, we need to ratchet up our attacks on the press. Like, yep. I, I, I truly mean that. Like, all of conservative media, like, all, everyone, all you, me, all of friends, everybody, every conservative on Twitter, every, we, we need to just savage these people until there's not a person left in the country that takes the New York Times seriously, because that's what they deserve. Yep. Every single person employed by the New York Times needs to be fired. From the journalists on the ground all the way up to the editors, everyone needs to go. They need to be without jobs. They need to be unemployed. Like, that's the only answer. That's the only answer for these these monsters, these evil savages. That's truly what they are. I have a question for you, Ian. Yeah. How many points in every election do the press give to the Democrats, do you think? Like, I, they're not as influential as they think they are. Obviously, they think they run the world, which mm-hmm. is weird that they still think that after, you know, Trump got elected and stuff. But, um, you know, they... they, they certainly aren't as influential as they think they are. But I I think if we had a fair press, if we had a real press, if we had a real free press, Republicans would add another five to ten points easy in every election. Yeah, so I, like, think I, I don't think Democrats would have won anything for decades uh, if we had a real press. Like, I, Obviously, there's no way to prove that, but that's just kind of the feeling I get. So I think because of the, divi- the general political division— um, I don't think that the Democrats um, gain any votes because of the of the press. I think the Republicans lose votes because of the press. I think there's a lot of people who um, feel like disenfranchised by politics or aren't interested, um, or, so who don't vote, you know, for either side. So I think that that's the bigger cause. I I would actually say that I feel like the press actually play a bigger part during the primaries. I think that's right now where they are really wielding their power, where you have some candidates who are just being pushed out of, of the line. Like I feel like Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard are kind of pretty um, realistic, fairly moderate in some ways candidates who are very popular in certain fields who are just being completely delegitimized with the attempt to push someone like Elizabeth Warren. Um, Kamala Harris was pushed for a long time before she sort of hit herself in the face with her complete inability to be a good candidate. Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard, the cop killer, really just... Uh... Dr. Donapeg. It's just, oh, that was so great. That was just the best moment of the debate so far when it was just like a couple of minutes long too. It wasn't even like one line there. It was just, okay, here's everything you've done wrong and why you're a terrible candidate. And she has nothing to go. So I, I would say that the press definitely take votes away from the Republicans. I think that's quite clear. Um, I think the issue with Trump as well is that he makes it quite easy. I think the, the press are always going to come after him. Um, he makes it very easy. He, he definitely plays into it because he's part of this media circle too. He provides them with a constant stream of kind of reasonably low-level outrage, um, which I know is, is good for him and his base. It's not great for the people in the middle 
who the media are targeting um, by pointing out occasionally the things he says that are either wrong or or kind of fairly thoughtless. Um, I, so I, in terms of a number, I would definitely say like, yeah, at least five to 10 percent. I think especially when you look at the fluctuation of support for, for Trump and how that often aligns with um, an onslaught from the media. The problem is that sometimes those those onslaughts were deserved. Trump hasn't been 100 percent fantastic the entire time. He's done some objectively bad things. But over time, when I feel like he's calmed down quite a lot, if you compare him to his early presidency, but the, the outrage hasn't changed. And now you've got someone like Kavanaugh being dragged in with exactly the same intent, which is to imply that anyone who's a conservative supports rape. And so <laughs> if you vote for conservatives, you are also supporting rape. It's just it's dreadfully uh, disgusting to, to watch and completely a moral viewpoint to push. But they're, they're doing it. And it, there's a lot of conservatives, as you say, who if you're not going to speak out about it and be honest about it, then you're you, they don't deserve a level of trust. They're not going to stop until they they <laughs> they get what they want, which is a Democrat in the White House. You made a couple really good points. One that they their influences probably felt the strongest during the primaries, and mm-hmm. I mean, you saw that in 2016. I mean, the the press selected Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. I mean, yep. they, they they really did. They they gave if you looked at the the press coverage, they gave Trump versus any of the other Republicans. It was he got something like 90 percent of the press coverage. And it was the same with uh, Hillary Clinton. They just gave her I mean, they completely shut down Bernie Sanders and, and just gave her you know 90 percent of the press coverage on the Democratic side. So they basically just selected the candidates, which is even mm-hmm. more disturbing. Um, and another point with with, uh, you know, how you know Democrats get five to ten points every election because of the press like you know, the the left loves attacking the electoral college, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. They just don't understand federalism or the constitution or anything. So, you know, it's not surprising to do that. But you know, a lot of Republicans just think, well, you know, look, like we could win the electoral college if we actually campaigned and on the coast and stuff, which m- might be true, might not. But the real reason why Republicans don't win the the popular vote is because of the press. I mean, because yeah. like, everybody on the coast reads the New York Times every day. And they're, you know, they're NPCs. I mean, they are robots. They're indoctrinated by uh, these socialist monsters. And yeah, look, like Trump would have won the popular vote by five million if it were if it weren't for the press. You know what I mean? I don't know how many more states he would have won. I don't know, you know, I don't know how many more electoral votes he would have gotten. But he certainly would have won the popular vote if if these NPCs on the coast weren't weren't brainwashed by CNN and the New York Times daily. I think that's uh that's a story that nobody really talks about too. Well, that's really who they're targeting, right? The New York Times and the the Washington Post and all of these other places, they are not writing for anyone except for people who live in urban, kind of far left cities. So like New York, San Francisco, L.A., um, these huge population bases that probably if they didn't have, as you say, if they didn't have that control, I don't think Trump would win the popular vote in these cities. But it doesn't take a huge amount if you take a chunk out of each city and you're playing the popular vote game, then he could win. I think the, the the thing to be concerned about the push for pop, the popular vote is that the Democrats aren't pursuing like a one pronged attack. It's not just they want the popular vote. It's they want the popular vote and they want complete open borders. They want complete open immigration, which they will combine quite nicely to ensure that they get voted in through the popular vote every single time. Because if you if you really carefully listen to when they talk, they talk about giving people citizenship. They talk about all these benefits that people are going to receive, 
but you know that they're going to keep people in a kind of half and half state of legitimacy where they will be completely beholden to the Democrats for their status in the US, which means that they will have to keep voting for them. They'll give them the vote, but they won't give them the freedom to place their vote where they want. And so I think that's the that's where the real danger lies. I don't think we'll ever. Well, I, I don't want to say that because you, you never know. I don't think they'll introduce the the popular vote over the Electoral College. But I think it's it's a bigger danger than people are giving it credit for. They they really have a, a more long term plan, which involves creating a, a very uh, incentivized population who would continue to vote for them, which is, I think, outside of the, the issue with, with the media and more with just keeping people beholden to a to one political party. It's uh, it's really quite scary. And I think the problem is, again, the media are not going to question um, the Democrats when they talk about these immigration policies. If there was an objective media who gave the same pressure to the left as they do the right, then I'm sure these questions would be asked. But I mean, you only have to watch five minutes of a debate to know that. I mean, you have George Stephanopoulos <laughs> moderating the debate. <laughs> he, he's a Clinton hack. I mean, it's, right. how, how is this even serious? It's a joke. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I, I'm yet, I've yet to make it all the way through one of the Democratic debates. I try because I know I have to cover it on the show. Um, I think I made it in about 40 minutes, maybe 35 minutes into the three-hour debate uh, last Thursday, and then I kind of looked up the highlights uh, the next morning. Um, but yeah, like they, they don't get any pushback for anything. No, from the moderators. I mean, Bader O'Rourke cussing up a storm and saying he'll, you know, confiscate. Uh, everyone's firearms at gunpoint. You know, nobody gets pushback from that. Like, none of these these commies get any pushback from anybody. I mean, the only, the, the toughest question that any moderator asked any of the candidates were at the end when they said, hey, tell us why you're awesome. <laughs> you know, it's like, really? That's hard-hitting journalism right there, guys. It's well done all of, all around. Like, my goodness. Imagine in a Republican debate, the moderator saying, you know, just take, take each take five minutes and tell us just why you're just a swell guy. It's like my God! Like Republicans do not get treated like that. No, and they shouldn't. Like that's of not. Of course that's not. not. Of that's course not what not. politicians should be. It's. It's. Yeah, I've. I'm very sad to say that I've watched every moment of the debates, and I feel like I've lost a few years off my lifespan uh, because so of it. But um, I think what I find most infuriating is like they're politicians, right? Politicians are going to be politicians. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that politicians lie or build themselves up to be some kind of messianic figure that's going to save us. But when you have these so-called members of the media who sit there and have to listen to Beto O'Rourke say, yes, I will take a <laughs> a legally owned object from someone which is guaranteed by the Constitution of the United States. And they say, OK, moving on. It's like, uh, hang on. He, he talked about <laughs> basically tearing up the Constitution. Kamala Harris with her, her demonic cackle saying oh, that gosh. she would just ignore the Constitution. And that's fine. Was she it's... drunk during that debate, by the way? She oh, sounded I hope hammered. So. If, if she wasn't drunk or on drugs then i'm more concerned oh yeah i mean she's, she's either laugh, drunk I mean, or she's dying that what laugh a, is straight from hell oh my goodness disturbing she's disturbing disturbing you being and a dirty cop uh, i think i've mentioned that before yep. on the show but look one more point <laughs> regarding the press and like i said i i fought this like i fought this for years because i am I'm much more of a traditional conservative than Trump. You know, like mm -hmm. Trump was not mm -hmm. my top choice in, in 2015, 2016. He wasn't in my top 10 choices of all the Republicans that were running in the primary even, you know, and I, I don't like the tactics a lot of the time. But isn't what the New York Times did to Justice Kavanaugh over the weekend, what they're what they're constantly doing, the state of the American press, isn't that the best 
reason, the, the best selling point for Trumpism as a tactic, isn't that the best endorsement of how, you know, that we like the hardcore Trumpsters, we like him because he fights, because he punches the press in the mouth? Isn't that an exoneration for the people that support that kind of behavior? Like, isn't that the best selling point for Trumpism you could possibly make? Because they did that, they did it, not to this extent, obviously. But they tried the same thing to Clarence Thomas, right? And they successfully mm-hmm. did it with with uh, with Bork, Robert Bork. They they treated George Bush the same way. They spent eight years calling him a war criminal. You know, they called yep. John McCain a racist Nazi. They called Mitt Romney a racist Nazi. Nobody ever fights back. Well, I mean, Clarence Thomas did fight back. Obviously, the famous, you know, he called it a high tech lynching, um, and he just executed uh, Joe Biden live <laughs> on television. It's pretty great. If you're ever having uh, a sad day, just watch that video of Clarence Thomas. But um, for the most part, conservatives don't fight back. Like, you got to. We have to. I, I'm going to on this yes. show. Like, I, I'm going to punch the press in the face. Not physically. Media matters. <laughs> dumbasses. But I will just savage them until they are destroyed. And I think Trump... I, I get it. Like, I... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, sometimes I don't yeah. agree with all the tweets. Sometimes, but look, how the fuck am I supposed to criticize Trump for his tactics anymore? How? Like, how? How? When, at the very least, the New York Times is fifty thousand times worse than Trump rhetorically. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, well, I think... how the hell am I supposed to criticize the man when they keep doing yeah. this over and over? Like, I, I hate that. I hate the whole we're going to use their tactics or whatever. And I, I get that. But really, like, you know what I'm saying, Ian? <laughs> like, I, I'm, yeah, I'm at a loss yeah. for words. Like, I don't know how the hell I'm supposed to criticize Trump when the New York Times is this bad. I think the the problem is, I think you're right, that Trump has basically been justified. A lot of his anti-media stuff has been completely justified by the behavior of the media. I think he is the one person who has been willing to get in get in the mud and fight with them, which has been much needed. I think the problem is though that there's this this common feeling now where the person who is willing to fight is often presented as the person who should fight um and i think that more conservatives more mainstream conservatives i think there's a lot of commentators who are doing a great job at this but i think a lot of conservative politicians are still far too weak on this and trump has been given the the responsibility to push back against this and i'm still not sure whether he is the best best long term he's certainly the best short term you know he slaps back at them he argues with them in press conferences it's fantastic you know if you enjoy if you enjoy a fight the problem is that you've also got to think about the damage it could cause the conservative movement generally because trump won't be around forever regardless of what people people (laughs) a lot of people want to think and so i'm i'm just concerned i'm not saying it's going to happen i'm concerned that trumpism will replace conservatism and people will start to think that conservatism is just fighting back against the media is just kind of sinking to their level. Um, And I think what I would like to see is I would like to see some true conservative candidates like, you know, Ted Cruz, that kind of conservative ilk pushing back against the media just as harshly. Um, And then I think we would have the best of both worlds. We would have the determined aggression against the media, which is so obviously biased and so obviously have an, an agenda, but we would also have the protection of conservatism. I, I get very scared by the, we can have one or the other. Uh, I don't think that's true. I think with Trump, that's true. Well, I totally agree. And that is a good point. And that is something that I'm, 
I'm very concerned with too. Like, what is the conservative movement going to look like after Trump? Um, because you're right, and and not all conservative politicians. I'd say probably no conservative politicians outside of Trump can get away with what he gets away with. No, <laughs> you know what I mean. They can't. So they can't all, and and they're not all as good at it as Trump. Like, you know, he's very good at the smacking the media around. You know what I mean? Like, if Mike Lee did that. I believe likely has about 50 IQ points on President Trump, and he's a lot closer to my political ideology than Trump is. But he would sound ridiculous. <laughs> this like this yes. Mormon yes. dude, this like soft-spoken Mormon, just like cussing <laughs> out the New York Times. Like that's just not going to work. That'd be completely disingenuous. So yeah, we do have to find that balance. Um, look, one more point on the Brett Kavanaugh stuff. Mm-hmm. There is a silver lining here, and that is last September. Their ridiculous lies and their slanderous nonsense against Brett Kavanaugh united the entire right wing <laughs> the way we haven't been united in a long, long time. I mean, in <clears throat> since Reagan, right? I mean, you saw Lindsey Graham and Rand Paul doing interviews together like they're best friends. Those motherfuckers hate each other. Okay, they don't agree on anything, <laughs> but they united, I mean, from the center right, you know— John Kasich types to the libertarian, you know, like the the minarchist libertarians. Everybody were standing shoulder to shoulder uh, against the press's treatment of Brett Kavanaugh. So I do see it as a bit of a silver lining that, you know, we could see a unified conservative movement, at least for a while. Yes, Um, I think I think the problem is it's still a year and a half away from the elections. Um, or just exactly. under a year and a half, <laughs> exactly. and the the news the news cycle lasts about twenty minutes. I mean, when we're done talking, we'll probably go and look at the news, and we're at war with Saudi Arabia, we're war, a war with Iran at the same time, just because Trump sent the wrong tweet, and like all these things could happen that that blow you know the news completely out of the water. Um, so I think I, I would definitely love to see some return of that unity. Um, we'll just have to see. I, I think the problem is I I think the New York Times and places like this will resurface Brett Kavanaugh. I think they're, they're smart enough to know that they can't go after him in the same way as they did last time. I think it'll be more of a kind of drip, drip strategy where they'll just remind people every now and again to have this kind of small underlying reminder that all conservatives are rape enthusiasts. Um, because that's <laughs> all you have to do is listen to the general rhetoric. And that's quite literally what a lot of candidates are saying. And, you know, if you if you support Trump, you are a racist. If you support Trump, then you are a supporter of sexual assault. And so it's just part of that same story. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think to to answer your point, I would love to see that um, that unity. I uh, I just think it, in all honesty, it's different from 2016 as well, because we, we're not having a primary like it's the Democrats having the primary system. Right. They'll be the one tearing each other apart when it gets a little stronger. We know Trump is going to be the nominee. So it's kind of baked into the cake. Uh, I just don't have faith that the news cycle will stay on this. I'm sure something will happen that will make conservatives tear their hair out at least a couple of times before the election. Oh, so you don't, you're not uh, buying uh, Trump's uh, primary challengers? The uh, Obama was a Muslim guy isn't going to win? The fly to Argentina <laughs> to bang some chick uh, behind his wife's back thing? He's not going to win? <laughs> not too confident know, in this cast of characters? I know, I know the... The odds are really, really high. I'm just, you know, I'm just not confident. Really? Like the, the <laughs> guy who says the N-word on Twitter all the time, like he's not doing it for you, Ian? <laughs> it's just, it 
really does it, in all I know it's it sounds hilarious but in all seriousness when when people make comments about how awful Trump is and then you see the people running against him that the media are are kind of celebrating the media are pushing them hoping that they will unsettle Trump it's like do you realize you are you are trying to replace one person with a far worse monster far worse. it's uh, they really are they're just terrible the media is just awful terrible and you're absolutely right that we are at least 750 news cycles away from November 2020. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a conservative estimate, but that that's why it's indicative that we don't let up. And I mean that. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to, like, uh, like, I know my show and your show, Ian, like, we aren't the, the most popular conservative com- commentators out there. I get it. Like, I'm not trying to inflate our sense of self-worth or something like that. But it's on us to not let these mm-hmm. bastards get away with it anymore. And no... I refuse. Like, I won't let it go. Like, these people, like, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Like, I don't think there's redemption for the New York Times. I mean, they're awful. They're evil monsters. Like, they they whitewashed the Holocaust. They covered up FDR imprisoning tens of thousands of Japanese Americans. I mean, they've been an evil, communist, sympathizing, left-wing rag since at least the 1920s, right? Since at mm-hmm. least the Great Depression. There's there's no coming back. They, they need to be destroyed. There's no coming back. But we can't let them get away with like, a, oops, oh, well, we'll issue a correction that nobody sees. And No. Yeah. Like, I'm not letting anything go anymore with these monsters. They deserve not... They, they, they obviously don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. They're doing this intentionally. Mm-hmm. And these journalists are lying because their bosses tell them to lie. I mean, it, it's from the top down. It truly is. So, like, we need to keep up the pressure. We need to keep punching them over and over and over until they finally fall to the mat unconscious. I mean, that, that is what we need to do. And that's what I'm going to do on this show. I'm, we will keep hitting them. We will keep bringing this up. I will keep bringing up the treatment of Brett Kavanaugh because we cannot let this go. They do not deserve to be able to get away with this any longer. Mm-hmm. I think uh, just just one last point from me on, on that subject is I think that um, kind of apathy is the left's greatest weapon when it comes to a lot of these things. Yes. You see it with Brexit. You see it with the media. You see it with a lot of things yes. where they rely on people getting bored, people getting tired and wanting to move on. And I think that's that's the most dangerous point when you are thinking, oh, I just don't care anymore. That's when they've truly won, because you're not going to care when they keep going further and further. And so I think you're completely right. And, and it's also not just on commentators. It's on just conservatives as consumers to refuse to accept those places as actual sources of news, to push back in, in conversations if it's appropriate, and just to take to go elsewhere, support other outlets who are trying to bring a different, obviously not going to be objective because I don't really believe in objective news, but try and support other outlets who are providing a different sense of what's going on. Um, I think that's because New York Times and the Washington Post, they have all the money. There's a lot of smaller outlets. Um, I mean, not, not just me and you, but some places like you know The Blaze, Daily Wire, these kind of places that are having to rely on subscriptions and things like that. So I think there's something that everyone can do on a different level to, to try and push back. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. So... To summarize the episode, screw the New York Times, keep hitting them until they're until they're bloodied on the floor. Not physically. Yep. <laughs> Not physically. Figuratively. Figuratively, let's beat them unconscious. <laughs> let's beat them senses figuratively. All right, Ian, I got to let you go, man. Um, where can everybody find you online and keep in touch with you and find your show, which I will be appearing on tomorrow? Um, yeah, the whole rundown. Yeah, so you can find um, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My handle is IG Howarth. So that's I G H A W O R T H. Uh, you can find my show on YouTube, which is the Ian Howarth Show. Um, 
you can find that on YouTube. It's on uh, iTunes for podcasts. So yeah, check me out any of those places. And uh, yeah, really excited to have you on the show tomorrow. I don't know what we'll talk about. We'll have to have to do something other than the media. Well, uh, I'm sure whatever is in the news today. <laughs> I will bring my uh, rhetorical brass knuckles to the podcast tomorrow <laughs> to continue beating on the press. Uh, figuratively, of course. <laughs> Everybody follow Ian. He's great. Um, I'm sure I'll have him back on soon. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.